0: I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We are going to look at a story, most of us know the story of um, two men who were traveling back to their home, because what 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 I want us to see here is that on that day back then, it wasn't like we see that day today. Today, we, we wake up in the morning. We know what has happened. We start celebrating right off the bat. I mean, we, even Friday, when we have a Good Friday service and we're thinking about what happened on that day way back when, it wasn't like today where a guy can get up and say something like, it was Friday, but Sunday was a-coming, because now we know what that means. Back then, they didn't know. They, they were still very unclear about what was playing out in front of them. And so I want us to look at this journey to Emmaus that we see starting in verse 13 in chapter 24 and see if we can't kind of wrap our heads around what these guys and the disciples and others were going through at that moment. Let's read starting in verse 13 to verse 35. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still and looking sad, One of them, named Cleopas, answered him and said, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things of Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. And also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those... Who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, and began giving it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he recognized them or was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Father, as we look into your word this morning, my prayer is that we would see in those moments how you were continually drawing these disciples into a clearer understanding of what it is that you were doing on this planet Not only in Jerusalem, but for the entire creation, how you were working. Help us to see this morning what that means for us personally. Help us, Father, to walk out of here with a better understanding of what you would have us do in living our lives based on the events of this day almost 2,000 years ago. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The weekend was crazy. I mean, it was Passover weekend. The, the, the population of Jerusalem, man, it just swelled. I mean, there's, there are indications that Jerusalem might have had a, anywhere between 20,000 or 50,000 people that lived in Jerusalem in the walls there. There are some people who say there could have been A million or more people visiting for Passover weekend coming to town I don't know if it was that many I just know that whenever you go from a small community like that to some massive population things get a little crazy Uh, I know when Shannon and I we lived in India we were there one day when the population in our little town on one day went from 2 million people with no traffic lights let me just go ahead and throw that out there 2 million people with no red lights to 50 million people shows up one day to go to the river to bathe in the Ganges River. It was crazy. It, 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 you just wanted to stay in your home. Kind of crazy. And so in Jerusalem, all of these people, they're, they're, they're there to participate. And while they're there, they start hearing rumors. They start hearing about... This Jesus, that they, they might, some might have seen him as he's been on his journeys traveling around. Some have heard about him. Some might not have heard anything about the guy. We don't know, but they start hearing about how he has been arrested. He's been uh, gone through trials, uh, multiple trials, that he has been found guilty, that he has been crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning, that he has gone through the day. Surely they noticed at noon the darkness that fell over the land. Surely they noticed in the temple the veil tearing from the top to the bottom. Surely they noticed when people started coming up out of those graves. This wasn't the regular Passover weekend that was happening here. And then Saturday comes, it's Sabbath, they're resting. The disciples are hidden away in a room and wondering what's next. And Sunday morning happens, Sunday morning comes. And there's women that go to the tomb to find out, you know, to take care of the body of Jesus, and he's not there. Now, it starts off, this passage says, the two of them, that very day, were going to a village named Emmaus. It was seven miles outside of Jerusalem. Two of them, um, these two were with the disciples. You, we know this by, in verse 9, if you just look up at verse 9, it, it talks about that these ladies, they went and, and, and checked on, on the body of Jesus and, it says, and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. But in verse 24, it says that some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said it was. And so we know that these two, two, when it says two of them, it was talking about two people, two men who were in the room with the 11 disciples and the ladies when they came and made a report to the disciples. about. They know that they were there with them. And so these two guys, for whatever reason, it seems like they did not go to the tomb to check things out for themselves. Maybe it was because they had to get back home. Because it is... Sunday morning, it's after the of the Sabbath is over, and so they're allowed to travel back to their places to go back home. Maybe, we don't know. We, all we know is that they are making this trip seven miles to Emmaus, and Jesus shows up, and he prevents them from seeing who he is. Now, I think we're going to get a clearer understanding of why he prevented them later on, but he prevented them from seeing, and he starts asking this question, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And it says, and they stood still looking sad. I can picture it like this as they're walking along and a stranger comes up and says, what are these things that you're talking about? And they stop in their tracks and they look at each other. They're sad. And then they have this back and forth with Jesus. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here these days? Now remember what we just talked about i mean there were some things that was typical weekend crowds passover celebrations things like that but there were some things that just typically did not happen darkness over the land people walking out of graves veil torn from top to bottom there was no doubt that everybody kind of had an idea this was a little bit of are you the only one in jerusalem that doesn't have any idea of what's been going on this weekend And Jesus just come back at them with a simple question, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed and in word and sight of God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. And this verse right here, I want us to look at this verse. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And right off the bat, we can kind of start seeing that they, they said we were hoping it was he that was going to redeem. We know by this verse, that they, they're not getting the reason Jesus went through what Jesus went through that weekend. They're not getting it we know that throughout this time most of these no one was getting it they were they thought jesus was going to ride in on a white horse with a military army and just wipe out the romans and liberate them from liberate israel from romans and anybody else that might come along afterwards because after all they've been kind of dealing with this throughout their history, whether it's with the Egyptians, whether it's with the Babylonians, or any other people, they have had conquering enemies coming to them one after another, taking over and and, and inserting their rule on the people of Israel. And they were thinking, one day the Messiah is going to come and just free us from all this. And that's what they were hoping Jesus was going to be. But here they say, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. They had totally misunderstood the purpose of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. He goes on and they're talking, you know, it goes through the same story we just talked about, about how some women came and told us and some of our people went to the womb, found it just as they were. And I don't know what, between verse 24 and verse 25, I don't know how much of a pause was here. I I don't know if Jesus was kind of letting them just kind of ramble until they came to a stopping place. Uh, I don't know if he just kind of, when they did come to a stopping place, if he just kind of let it simmer there for a little bit. But he does something here that, you know, we're taught as pastors not to do when someone comes into our office and starts saying... Man, I just don't get it, man. My life is really tough, and it's, things are going, you know, so-and-so doesn't like me anymore. My job is hard. My health is bad and all that. And, 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 you know, we're taught to not look at them and go, oh, you foolish person. But Jesus right here, he looks at these two guys and he said, oh, foolish men. And slow to heart to believe in all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Now, when we look in the, I mean, you know, there are like 300 some odd prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, right? I don't know if Jesus went down the list of every one of those prophecies. But whatever it was, seven miles is a long journey on rocky, dirty roads. It's, they, they, it's not like they had these you know, the roads that we kind of, the parks with the trails and the, the pavement and all that kind of stuff, walking between these towns, they might have had some better roads than they had before, but they were still something that you just could not do a brisk walk and trust your feet wherever you were putting your feet. So it, I don't know how long it took, uh, but, but but it took some time to go those seven miles. And during that time, Jesus is just unfolding the scriptures in front of him. We don't know. It doesn't say which what, what what where he went. I can imagine he went to Isaiah and talked about the suffering servant. I can imagine he went as far back as Genesis 3:15 when he's after the fall when when and, and Adam and Eve had 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 sinned against God and the and the enemy was standing there with Adam and Eve and he told the enemy the 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 fruit the seed of this woman is going to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. Jesus might have kind of unfolded some meaning there as far back as Genesis. And and so he he easily could have gone through Psalms 22 just, just laying out. Psalms 22, what you just saw or heard about this past weekend was written about a thousand years ago. Before the crucifixion was ever a historical event, way back then in Psalm 22, it talked about hands and feet being pierced with nails. It talked about the guy's uh, you know, casting lots for his garment. It talked about his thirst. It talked about the the piercing of his side. It, Jesus went through all just just that event, but I also believe that Jesus, the significance of that, I'm sure he went back to Genesis where God provided skins for Adam and Eve, the very first sacrifice that had to have been made when they when they when they had bitten into the fruit that forbidden fruit when they had bitten into it and they realized oh, now we're naked, as if they weren't before, but now they're going, oh, and the shame came over them, and they hid themselves, and they made clothes out of the leaves and tried to cover their shame and, and all that, but yet God, it says in verse three, chapter 3, verse 21, that he provided skins for them to cover their shame. I imagine he went back to Genesis and, and where, where Abraham took his son Isaac up on the mountain, and he was going to follow through with the request that God had made of Abraham to sacrifice your son. And he got up there and he got right up to the point where he's about to lower the blade. And, and they said, wait. And off in the bushes over there, there was a ram. And, and it says that and, and Abraham, Abraham took that ram and, and presented it as a sacrifice, a burnt offering on that altar in the place of his son and i can imagine that he took him to exodus and he he talked about when the uh, moses was there trying to help liberate the people of, of 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 israel out of the the bondage of egypt and 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 the plagues he's, he's, he's all these various plagues but he gets down to the last one where god is about to send the angel of death to take the firstborn of all firstborn male of all everyone he says but for those of you you need to take a ram you need to sacrifice you need to put his blood up on the doorpost and when the angel of death come, anyone who was, had that blood over their doorpost, they were spared death. And I can imagine Jesus is just kind of laying this stuff out. And, he, and maybe even as he's showing them about what the sacrifice means, and as far back as then and how all of those things, the death of Jesus and his resurrection is there. His, that sacrifice covers our shame. That sacrifice is in our place. That sacrifice protects us from the wrath of God. And we don't know this or not, but I can imagine the light bulb, ding, ding. These light bulbs are just going off as as these guys are sitting there listening to Jesus. They're just soaking this stuff in. Let Let me tell you, this is like a remedial course for these guys because they have probably heard some of this at one point or another. And I know about remedial courses. When I was... Uh, I, I I got saved when I was 22, I went back to college when I was 25, and they made me take two classes in remedial courses because I didn't do so well in the entry exam trying to write papers and all that kind of stuff, so I had to take these two classes just to get into college. I had taken these classes when I was in high school, but like I've shared with you before, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, and so it takes me a while to kind of figure things out, and I had to take these classes. These guys are going through a remedial class right here, things they've already heard, things they've already seen, all of this stuff is playing out, and now Jesus said, okay, let's go back to the beginning, and on this seven-mile walk, he is laying this stuff out for them. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going. Now this is a, listen to what it says here. They urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went up to stay with them. It says he acted as though he were going to move on. That, that, is, that is just, that, that wasn't Jesus trying to be coy or play around with them or see if they would invite him in or anything like that. It was custom, it's customary in that culture even today that when they invite you, when someone invites you in for a meal, your first response is typically, uh, thank you, but no thank you. And if they ask you again, then they really mean it because it's it's just it's it's kind of like I come from the I come from Georgia the deep south you know and 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 everybody talks about southern hospitality over the years I found out that's more like pseudo hospitality than it is southern hospitality because mama beat it into you that you were supposed to do these types of things and stuff like that but you know that in your home that really didn't play out all the time and so you just kind of that that was just a part of it but here in these cultures that Please come in. Here, have some coffee with me. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, but I have to be moving on. No, seriously, I, I, w- I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. I want to hear about this in you. When they start going that route, then you know, okay, they mean it. In Morocco, they actually have a little custom that where you when, when they pour this, the mint tea to you, you know you, they want you there as they are pouring the tea and they're lifting the, the thing up in the air and it creates a frothy foam in that tea toward the end. If they ever get to a place where they're just kind of pouring it in the glass, it's time to go. Okay? If they ever get to, you know, that that little place where they're just pouring it in there, you you've sta- you've overstayed your welcome. But but here Jesus saying he's, or Jesus is acting like this, as if he's going to move on and they say, "No, come, stay with us." And they come. And look at what happens here. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Again, this is a cultural thing that went a little bit different here. Culturally, it was the host's job to take the bread, and to break it, and to bless it, and and, and to pass it out, and all that. It was the Host job to do that I would never in a home of a Moroccan when we went to visit with them I would never just start picking up the bread breaking it and passing it out. That was their job to do Here Jesus takes the bread in the host home He takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. He starts passing it out and it says then they recognized him They were and 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 if you look here (coughs) Excuse me If you look here Then their eyes were opened. It's it's almost as if at this point, either God said, just as he did earlier, we did not permit them from recognizing him. And here he's permitting them from recognizing him. Or is it in the breaking of the bread that they recognize him? I think we get a clue in that. And down in verse 35, it says, when they do go back and talk to the disciples, they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he passed it out. How many times do you think Jesus, I mean, these guys have seen Jesus do this. You know, Jesus, he typically, at the Lord's Supper, we saw that. We, it, it, it was just, it's not something that Jesus just did and now all the world does. It was something that Jesus took as a custom of that day. And so when they're sitting around having meals and interacting with, with each other, how many times under a tree out in the forest, how many times in a garden, how many times in someone's home or something like that did they not see him take the bread and bless it and break it and hand it out? It was in that act of service that they saw, they began to see that this is the Christ, And it says here that all of a sudden, when they recognized him, he vanished. We know Jesus had a resurrected body, and it's not the same body that we have now. With this limitations and all that, his resurrected body, he could pass through walls, he could vanish, disappear. He could do all sorts of stuff. All right, And so it says here that then suddenly, as they recognized him, he vanished. And look at what they say here. Verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts, when he was telling us all of this stuff, weren't we coming alive weren't we better understanding weren't we really now we know what is kind of going on here now we are starting to get what he's talking about now we know why he rode in on a donkey instead of a big white horse now we know why he died on the cross instead of calling down the angels and conquering rome now we have a better understanding of all today we wake up sunday morning and we're celebrating Back then they woke up Sunday morning and there was nothing but confusion chaos that first Easter morning that first resurrection morning was not something that they were looking forward to and even and even when, when, when it says here weren't not our heart he was explaining to us on the road while he was or he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures and they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem they didn't sit around and talk about it. They got up that hour, and they got back seven miles back to Jerusalem to meet with these guys. And it says, And they found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen. The Lord has truly risen from the dead. This was a message that when they left Jerusalem that morning, they had heard he's not in the tomb, but they didn't know where he was. They had heard an angel tell the women, and the women report to them that he was alive, but they didn't know whether to believe that or not. It wasn't until as they're walking on the road and they're hearing the Scriptures unveiled to them, this just laid out for them. They moved from their truth to the truth on this seven-mile journey. We all have our truths, that we, 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 we sit down, we look at the Bible, we, we hear preachers on television, we're, we're influenced by different things, but friends, this book right here doesn't need anybody else to tell us what it means. You don't need me to tell you what this means. We all, any any, any one of us who is a follower of Jesus Christ has that spirit within us that will tell us what this word means. I challenge people all the time. Don't take my word for it. You go home. You read it. You pray about it. If the spirit within you is in agreement, then great. We're in agreement. But if not, don't believe it just because David Hutton said it. I'm not like some of these preachers that just say, that, you know, just because I say it, it is absolutely 100% true. I'm a failed man, just like every, every, every one of us in this room. I am, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. I've mentioned that many times. But I am here proclaiming what I believe God has laid on my heart, that this message this morning, that the importance here is not so much what do we think, what do we understand, but what does the Scriptures say? About Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and even beyond that. What do the scriptures say? I believe in this, this part right here. Jesus, as he is going back, re- reflecting on the scriptures with these guys, he's showing you could have known this all along. It's right there written out before you. Now that, it's, now that these things are happening, yeah, you can better understand it, but you could have had an idea instead of these ideas that you had about this great army that's coming, uh, that's going to uh, get rid of Rome and all that. Where did you see that in the scriptures? Where did you see that? Jesus knew he would be leaving them eventually. He knew that there would be a time when he would leave. He actually said that he had to leave so that the Comforter could come. He had to go so that the Holy Spirit could come. He even says that uh, at, at various times. And, and, but he wanted to make sure that they understood and, and that his story, his mission, his purpose was lived out according to the Scriptures. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father tell me to do. I don't say anything unless the Father tells me to do, say it. Everything I do is what the Father wants me to do. Thomas wouldn't believe it until he was able to touch Jesus. And when Jesus, here's, when Jesus did present Himself to Thomas, and Thomas said, I believe... Jesus said this, "'Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe.'" Blessed are they who do not see. Blessed are those who did not be able to see me as I'm on the road to Emmaus, or as I'm in as I'm in the room with the disciples, and Jesus shows up, or or as I'm meeting with people out in the fields or by the by the sea, or wherever it is, wherever he were in it, was interacting with, with, with people in his as after he was resurrected, wherever that was. But he said, Blessed are they who believe me, who do not get to see me. And friends, we do not get to pick how the Jesus we get to present to people to believe. It is right here in the scriptures. We have to pour ourselves into this book. We have to believe. The Old Testament was very truthful about Jesus and his birth and his death and his resurrection. Are we going to trust the rest of this book talking about his second coming? Are we going to trust what it says? Do we understand it all? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't understand how it's going to play out. Is it going to be premillennial? Is it going to be a pre trib rapture? Is it going to be post millennial or whatever? I've adopted the kind of idea it's going to be pan millennial. It's just going to pan itself out in the end anyway. I heard a professor once talking to a seminary, talking to a guy who believed in a and, and, and he was a post-millennialist and didn't believe in a pre-trib rapture, and he asked him, are you going to argue with God if you're caught up in a pre-tribulation rapture? I don't think anybody in the room is going to argue with God about any of this stuff, the way, that, the way it plays out. But this much we do know, he will come again, and he will take his church home. That much we do know. Now with that, what do we do with that? He has given us He has given us the mission. I've I've, I've talked about it before, a part of the ministry of reconciliation. If we are in Christ, we are to join him in the ministry of reconciliation. That is something that is not plain as day in 2 Corinthians 5, but throughout the scriptures, we're going to see, and and, 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 and if we read on further before he's ascended into heaven, he gives us the great commission, Go, as you are going, make disciples. We have, a, we have a job to do. We have a mission he's called us to. We have a ministry to join him in. Not create our own thing, but, but to join him in what he is already doing on this planet. Because he will come again. And is he going to find his church faithful to what he has called us to be now? Are we going to be like these two guys from Emmaus that are confused Because of the things that are played out in front of us, are we going to be faithful to pursue Him and what we know He has called us to do? To join Him in the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus went through all He did this weekend. Almost 2,000 years ago, He went through all of that. Yes, because it was foretold, it was prophesied, it was God's plan all throughout history but he endured all that went through all of that so that we would be able to hope in him to have a certainty of our future in him and it has to be in him not just even in his teachings it has to be in him there's a lot of people out there trying to live good lives trying to be as good of christians as they can without receiving him I, I was raised in a home that we, you know, we were told we were Christians. And it wasn't until I was 22 years old I realized I was not a Christian. And in this, in this world that is just destroying itself, that is decaying, in this world that is chaotic, we, Jesus has a plan for each one of us. And he died so that we might live an eternity with him. We don't have to stay where we are. We don't have to embrace the, our current circumstances and think this is just the way it's going to be. Friends, if there, are, if there are some of you in this room who have never received Christ, let me just tell you, his, his, his story here is a story of hope as he was resurrected, as he conquered sin and death. All he, all he has done is, he, he did all of this because there was no way we, And I mean all of us in this room. There was no way we could deserve God's love and eternity with Him apart from Jesus Christ. There was no way this was going to happen. We are no good. We are wretched people. And you might say, well, I'm not wretched. I'm not that bad. Listen to each other. Like I said, we might look good, but in the eyes of God and a holy God, each one of us, we are depraved. Each one of us are sinners. We have disobeyed him. And even if it's just one way, it is one way too many. We have disobeyed him. But God did not leave us there. He did not leave us in that. Jesus came to live this perfect life. He came to go to that cross. He came to be resurrected. He came to go up and be ascended. And right now, he is up there right now interceding for us to the Father. And all it says in the scriptures, all it says for those of us who want to live that life, to have that life that Jesus came and died for, those of us who want to have hope and peace and joy that only Jesus can give us in our life, if we want that, it says that all we have to do is believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means confess with our mouth that he is master of my life that he is Lord of my life. That means his will over my will. Just as Jesus, when he was sitting, praying in the garden and was saying, if this cup could leave me, if I, is there a way that we can go through this without me having to go through the cross? And he says, but yet your will, Father, not mine. Even Jesus was here to live a life according to what the Father wanted. And we have that same choice. Do we want to live a life making decisions for ourselves and all that. I did that for 22 years. Yeah, I had some good times. Yeah, I, had, I, I won awards. I made money. I, did, I, I, was able, I was able to experience all sorts of things during that time. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you know, it's all just wretched and terrible and bad. But my hope was in me, which meant that as soon as I die, I could not make another choice but go to hell. God wants to, all of mankind, all of mankind is on this highway to hell. And God has provided these exit ramps. And it is only through Jesus Christ that we can get off of that highway. If you are here today and you have not received Christ, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that he, Jesus is Lord. You recognize you're a sinner. You recognize you don't, you're not the one who can make the right decisions. You recognize that you can not be good enough in the eyes of God, and you surrender yourself to the Father, and you say, I want you to be Lord of my life. That's it. That's it. If you want to know more about that, then I'll be right up here after the service today. You come and talk to me. I'll be more than happy to spend some time with you. And I'm sure there are other people in this room that if you came here with someone, they will be more than happy to talk with you about that. Do not leave here this morning without taking care of that and making sure that is a certainty in your life. Because that is what this morning is all about. Jesus coming Living the life, perfect life, obedient to the cross, being buried in a borrowed tomb, and the Father raising him from the dead to conquer sin and death. No one else can do that. His sacrifice is to cover our shame. His sacrifice there is in our place. And his sacrifice is so that we do not have to experience the wrath of God. Let's pray.